Academy Days Episode 63, With Every Morning. London Pella yawned as she trudged down the path behind her dad. Why were they doing this again? Oh yes, so that if she was ever stuck on an island, she would survive. London shivered in the brisk ocean wind. Surely she wasn't likely to be relegated to a lonely island twice in one lifetime. Dad, are we almost there? London asked, switching the tackle box from one hand to the other. Because I was thinking maybe I could just drop off this stuff and go back to the house, and then when you've caught the fish... Not a chance. Do you think Jesus' disciples slept in until eight every morning? No. They were out on the sea, casting their nets before sunrise, just like us. Nets? Well, we'll be casting fishing line, but it's the same idea. The early bird gets the worm. Worms? Dad sighed. London, I perceive that you are struggling to follow my line of thought. Just trust me. Okay? Okay. They trudged on the edge of the horizon, turning a shade lighter every minute. It was pretty, the shifting of the colors from nighttime deep to ever-brightening shades of purple, pink, and blue. His mercies are new every morning. The line of scripture tumbled into London's mind like a wave-delivered treasure into a tidal pool. She rolled her shoulders and opened her eyes wider, waking up to the untamable beauty of the moment. Sometimes this island felt like a time capsule. She might never leave, she might never grow older. But in this moment, as she followed her dad's footprints up and over a dune, a sense of safety and peace filled her soul. However, there was no need to overdo this morning exercise thing. Isn't this far enough? London called. No, I found a good place yesterday afternoon. Good depth, good current, lots of little fish to bait the big fish. He kept describing the reasons why the spot was so great, but he was talking away from London, and the wind and the sound of the waves carried his words away. London switched the tackle box back to her left hand. In all her 17 years, she never realized her dad knew the remotest thing about fishing. She took a deep breath and bellowed against the wind. Dad, can we just... A hand clapped over her mouth. Someone wrenched the tackle box free from her grasp. London froze, cold metal pressing into her back. What was happening? What was happening? Airless scream filled her mind, but even if she'd been able to move or make a sound, the hand still covered her mouth. Ahead... She saw a figure lunge out from the brush and wrestle her dad to the ground. London did scream then, but it made no difference against the clammy saltiness of the hand. Walk, a voice said. Just one word. London didn't move. Dad swayed to his feet in the grip of the second ambusher. An overload of sensory information buzzed like an electric zap across London's mind, was that hard thing against her back a gun? For real, a gun? Walk, the voice said again, and shoved this time. He took his hand away. London opened her mouth to scream, and the gun jabbed against her backbone. No sound, the voice said, monotone and disinterested. London! Dad's body twisted towards her, his voice cutting past nature's noise. His captor brandished a gun and shoved Dad forward. 
Panic made London's eyes dilate, turning the ever-lightening world blurry. What, what, what was happening? They wove down a skinny path to the shore. The captors nudged London and Dad into the water. London's heart pounded as the waves gathered around her knees. Was she about to be killed? Right here in the surf? She blinked hard. No, there, a boat. Moments later, her captor hoisted her aboard. She and Dad were corralled into a cramped cabin area. One of the men waved his gun, indicating a bench with its back to the helm. London and Dad sat. London leaned her shoulder against Dad's arm, that arm that meant protection. Gun Guy held his weapon on them. The second man, his shoulder-length hair insulted tangles, bound Dad's hands and feet, and then London's, before lashing them both to the bench seats with more rope. Their two captors, faces obscured by ski masks, got busy launching the boat back into deeper waters. London, are you okay? Dad asked, voice raspy. London gulped. I'm not hurt. She squeezed her eyes shut. Maybe this was all a dream? One of those stress dreams you had when you were dreading something, like fishing. She'd wake up and smell cinnamon buns or blueberry buckle, and the world would be all full of sunshine again. The boat engine revved to life, and London felt the bounce of waves as they began to move. Ted, what is going on? She whispered, huddling in as close as she could. Dad shook his head. I don't know. Well, maybe I do. That drone. The marshals thought it was owned by tourists, I wonder. The odd flash in the sky popped into London's mind. Dad, I didn't know what it was, but I think I saw a second drone. A faster, fancier one? London shivered and described what she'd seen the day before while everybody else was either in the house or in the lighthouse. The first drone could have been a decoy, Dad said. The second one. It could have recorded all kinds of surveillance while the marshals were distracted with their analysis. So you think these guys work for the senator's son? Are they going to... London forced back a sob. Are they going to hurt us because you and Mom helped in the investigation? Dad placed his tied hands on top of hers. I think it's more likely. They'll use us as a bargaining tool. The noose must be closing in on the senator's son. If he has enough money to pay these thugs, he must have a lot to lose. He'll try to blackmail his way out of trouble and escape. He probably has money in offshore accounts. All this sounded logical. Was Dad just imagining a best-case scenario to comfort her? And if the feds didn't agree to this bargain, what would happen to her and Dad then? Besides, if the senator's son got off scot-free, what did that mean for all the people he'd hurt? Dad flexed his fingers against the knots in the nylon rope holding London's hands. London looked from long-hair guy at the helm to gun guy standing on the swim deck. If either captor turned towards them, she'd warn Dad. At least the sound of the waves and the motor would obscure conversation. Using his fingers, Dad worked at the knots in London's ropes. If they're taking us to the mainland, Dad said in her ear, get away if you can, even if I can't. Do you understand me? But Dad, she felt the rope on her hands loosen. You are light and fast, London. Get away. Get help. Don't wait for me. Gun Guy turned towards the cabin and Dad sat back in his seat, hands in his lap. London twisted her fingers around the now loose rope. Would the men take them to a mainland dock in the open daylight? Not to one in town. Maybe to a secluded dock far from the help Dad wanted her to find. 
How would she hike through marsh or woods and not lose her way? She wasn't exactly the wilderness type. A compass. Wasn't that something people used to make sure they were going in a straight line instead of in circles? And there was something about moss on rocks or on trees? Gungai settled into the seat next to Longhair at the helm, so that both had their backs to London and Dad. London wriggled her fingers free of the loosened rope and started working on releasing Dad's hands. The nylon might have been tied hastily, but the knots had pulled tight. London scanned the area for something she could use to pry the knots apart, oh, for some tweezers or a nail file. Dad shifted next to her, his tied hands tugging at the cushion under him. He nodded at London. Why? Oh, compartments. Storage compartments under the seats might hold a sharp object. She couldn't stand up fully with the rope lashed around her waist in the seat. Could she raise herself enough to open the compartment, though? London lifted her weight off the seat, keeping her knees bent. Her thighs burned under her own weight. She braced one arm on the armrest, relieving some of the tension on her legs. She tugged up her cushion and felt underneath. Her fingers slid into a grip, and she tugged upward, lifting the lid of a compartment. She leaned forward, reaching her left arm downward. Her legs gave way, and she landed, smashing her wrist between the compartment lid and the edge of the seat. She yelped at the sudden shock of pain. Sweat popped out on her forehead. One of the men yelled something back at them, a command. Are you okay? Dad said into her ear. London braced herself against the back of the seat and released her wrist. She clenched and unclenched her fingers, nothing broken. She nodded, then went through the process again, gritting her teeth against the urge to collapse under her own weight. Her fingers closed on an object and she tugged, dragging it out from underneath the seat cover. She collapsed in relief. A flare, Dad breathed. Hide it in your hoodie. After a brief glance at the long orange object, London slid it into the pouch of her sweatshirt. Could it end up saving her and Dad? Would it work? How would she know when to activate it? Rest, then try again, Dad whispered. Check for something you can use for protection. A dive knife or something? London gulped. A weapon? They were talking weapons now? In her next search, she felt a tangle of rope, a bottle, a container, maybe a first aid kit. Dad braced his back against his seat and raised his torso so that she could search under his cushion. She prayed he wouldn't collapse down on her arms or fingers as she searched blindly in the space below his seat. She grasped onto something and drew it into view. Dad sat down with a thud. A screwdriver. Oh, well, that would be helpful. If the boat broke down, she could offer to fix it. London stuffed the tool into her hoodie pocket just as Gun Guy came into her peripheral view. She hunkered forward to obscure her free hands, but he barely glanced in her direction on his way back to the swim deck. They're worried about the marshals, Dad whispered, as Gungai peered through binoculars back towards the island. Should I see if this thing could break your ropes? London asked. Dad shook his head. He could turn around at any moment and you wouldn't be able to hide it quickly enough. Wait until he sits back down again. In the meantime, wind that rope back around your hands. London grabbed up the discarded piece of nylon and looped it around her fingers and wrists. Off to the right, shoreline came into view. Her heartbeat sped up. Now what? If they landed, 
Would she really be able to successfully get away? And what would these guys do to her dad if she did? The low murmur of her dad's voice caught her attention. His eyes open, watchful, his lips moved, quiet words melting into the wind. He was praying. London spoke her own words against the salty air that surrounded them. Help us know what to do next, God. Please. Longhair at the helm pulled up to the dock at a deserted beach. Gungai jumped from the swim deck onto the dock and secured the boat. London tensed as Gungai untied her feet and released her from the bench. Her heart pounded as he pushed her ahead of him and then hoisted her up onto the dock. A clumsy, awkward experience considering the hidden objects in her clothing and her attempt to continue the facade of having bound hands. The flare and screwdriver in her hoodie pocket bounced against her stomach. Partway down the dock, she turned to look back for Dad, but only got a brief glimpse of him following before Gun Guy prodded her forward. Would either of the men actually use their guns if she refused to cooperate? Dare she take the chance? But if she bolted, where would she go anyway? Beyond the driftwood strewn and scrubby beach, dunes rounded up, blocking her view. They trudged through powdery sand that gave way beneath their feet until they reached a rotting boardwalk that provided a path across marshy land. Twenty yards away, a shabby trailer hunkered in the weeds, the kind of place usually guarded by Rottweilers. Would reasoning work with these guys? What did people do in those true crime stories? The silent cooperation thing couldn't last. Spastic fear threatened to explode her nerves. So... I've learned some stuff about crime and crime fighting over the years. It's a popular genre, you know, fast-paced and intense. Usually the bad guys get caught in the end. London licked her lips. True, sometimes that occurred after the victims were already out of reach. So, how about a deal? You let Dad and me here. You escape. We wait two hours before getting help. Everybody's happy. How about it? Her heart pounded. Was she actually trying to reason with a criminal? No response. Her foot missed a board and sank into wet mush. Watch it, Gun Guy said, and dug his fingers into her arm, pulling her upward until she got her footing. A guy like you should be able to get a really good security job somewhere, at a bank or for some fancy celebrity. Tremble made her voice breathy and weak. No more looking over your shoulder. No more dodging the law. Just good, honest toil. Oh, brother, he already did work for a sort of celebrity. Let's just think about it. You are doing all of this for money, am I right? The sound of footsteps was her only response. I doubt you really care personally about what happens to the senator's son. Wouldn't you like to find a line of work that felt more fulfilling? Money will not make you happy. Oh, wow. Now she was starting to evangelize. Well, why not? I found out a little over a year ago that only God could change the restless driving thing inside of me. You know, I used to spend my time wanting and resenting and trying to make things happen in my life. And then her captor pulled her to a halt in front of the trailer door, reached around her and stuck a key into the doorknob. Maybe she should do the elbow to the gut move and escape now while he was off guard. But in the next moment, Longhair and Dad stood right behind her, barring the way. 
It was a youth camp. Words babbled forth like an exploding soda bottle. Have you ever been to youth camp? I mean, not now, because you seem too old. Not that I can see your face through that ski mask. How old are you anyway? Because it is never too late to change. Something wet slid down her face, and the world tilted and whirled for a moment. Was she crying? London, Dad hissed. The door swung open, and they all went inside. Smells like layers of dried seawater mixed with moldering conch shells enveloped London. She was going to throw up. Talking helped. Talking always helped. Her voice went from breathy to high squeak. You should put some water on to simmer and drop in a few cinnamon sticks. It is a great fallback when you don't have any scented candles. Was this what being hysterical sounded like? London, Dad said again. London, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath? How did that even work? At Gun Guy's prod, she stumbled down a short hallway and into a tiny room, the walls half-covered in cheap paneling. Sit, Gun Guy said. London collapsed to the floor and Dad sat next to her. The men tied Dad and London to an exposed wall stud, secured their feet, walked out, and shut the door. I am going to faint, London gasped. Bend forward, breathe, Dad said. London pressed her forehead against her knees. You're some evangelist, you know it, Dad said. Maybe a little crazy, but really, really brave. London would have giggled if she hadn't been swallowing back bile. They didn't retie my hands, she whispered when her senses finally cleared. She twisted her hands free of the rope twined around her fingers and wrists. Get your feet untied, Dad said. Use the screwdriver to work the knots loose. Mumbled words filtered through the wall. One voice, like someone talking on a phone, started and stopped. Can you understand anything? Dad asked. London leaned forward. She picked out words and phrases in between pauses. Any sign of a search? Helicopters? Move the boat. Tied up. No problem. The whole trailer shook as a door slammed shut somewhere. Did they leave? London asked. Listen, Dad breathed. Someone coughed. No, they were not alone, but maybe they were now two against one. Why would one of them leave? London asked. Tell me what you understood. My hearing isn't as young as yours. London repeated the short, disconnected phrases. Dad nodded. When the search for us begins, they'll know we left by boat. An obscure dock with an expensive boat tied to it might draw attention. One man probably left to move the boat to another location or into a wooded canal. How long until he comes back? London asked. Probably not long. They would have planned for this. Dad nodded. We'll have to take what we've been given. London tugged and pulled at the knots holding her ankles together. At last she felt give and then freedom. Now the tether to the post, Dad whispered. Wriggling sideways, London worked with her arms and hands at a cockeyed angle, half blind to what she was doing, sometimes jabbing her fingers with the screwdriver as she worked. The dark room grew warmer and warmer with no airflow. Sweat poured down her face. 
At last, she tugged at a loosened loop, and the rest came easily. On her feet, she turned towards Dad. Now completely free, she worked faster, and soon had him free of the stud, too. She reached for his hands. No, Dad said. No time. Check the window behind those blackout curtains. But, London, don't waste time. Get out. Get away. But, Dad, we can both go, London hissed. The floor shook as someone trudged past their room to another part of the trailer. Try the door. Dad pushed himself to his feet, swaying slightly. London jiggled the knob. Locked. Back to the window then, Dad said. Let me free your hands. I'll manage. Go. London pushed the curtains aside and unfastened a rusty latch before trying to shove the window up. Nothing happened. She ran her fingers along the casement. Of course. Wasn't it always this way in the true crime stories? The window was sealed shut somehow. The trudging footsteps paced by the room again. A moment later, a microwave hummed, and the smell of popcorn filtered in under the door. Popcorn? Really? Like he was just hanging out with buddies for a game night? Run the screwdriver tip along the edges of the window, Dad said. London pulled her tool from her hoodie and dragged the pointed tip through the adhesive holding the window closed. Would the captor hear the scraping noise above the crackle of his popcorn bag and now? What was that? An announcer in a cheering crowd. A football game. The guy had just kidnapped people at gunpoint, and now he was kicking back for the game? Clearly, media addiction was hindering even the crime world from focusing on the job. London tried the window again. It pushed out and up, vent style. Broken spiderwebs dangled and swayed in the mid-morning breeze. A breeze that rattled the door of their room. The football game came to a sudden pause. Go, Dad hissed. London dropped the screwdriver. She gripped the window frame, hiked her knee up onto the sill, pulled her other leg up, and shimmied both legs out and down through the narrow opening. Her hand slid down the frame of the window. Her face knocked against the slanted glass. She lost her grip and fell to the ground below, just as she heard the room's door open. Quiet. Hey! London crawled along the trailer, stumbled to her feet, looked in all directions, and hightailed it toward a stand of spindly trees. Help! 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 She whispered as she ran. It would take the man two seconds to reach the trailer door and give chase. She dodged into the trees and headed away from the beach, careening along the length of the brushy woods. Now what? Oh, please, show me what to do. Mid-flounder, she looked back towards the trailer. Why hadn't the guy pursued her yet? She turned and kept running. With a gasp and a shriek, she hurtled to a sudden halt in a ditch. Marshy gush oozed up between her fingers and through her clothing. She scrambled to her feet and... A raised dirt track right there in front of her. But which way? Which way to help? Back and to her left, the thin tree line left gaps through which she could still see the trailer. To her right, then. London launched into a run, the flare in her pouch pocket bouncing against her stomach. At first she sprinted, but a minute in, pain stabbed at her side. She slowed to a jogging pace. At least those occasional runs along the beach had kept her in semi-good shape. After five minutes, though, she slowed, gasping and sweating. 
Oh, for a drink of water. She scanned the area on both sides of the narrow path. The sun glinted off water settled into the dips of the landscape. No bright trickling spring here. Then she heard it, the sound of a motor. Oh no, her captor finally coming after her. London reviewed the scene of the trailer. No, no vehicle, so wait. It was coming towards her, not from behind her. Could this finally be the help she needed, or the second man returning? London stumbled out the path. She had to hide. Immediately, she started to sink into the marshy undergrowth. She grabbed a hold of a thin tree trunk and reached for another, dragging herself along. The motor sputtered to a stop behind her. Stop, or I will shoot, said the matter-of-fact voice. Gun guy. Come back, he said. London clung to a tree. Unfamiliar, unnavigable terrain lay all around her, the thin road the only hope of making it out of the remote landscape alive. The man cleared his throat, and something clicked. London heaved herself around and floundered back up onto the trail. Why hadn't she thought this through? Of course Captor Number 2 would have to come back to rejoin the guard over the prisoners. Analytical. She needed to be more analytical. Gun Guy made her climb onto the ATV in front of him. During the short drive back to the trailer, he kept the gun in one hand mere inches from her body. He parked and hauled her off the vehicle. He grabbed her hands, twisted them behind her, and tied them. As the man wrenched the rope tight around her wrists, London looked up from her sand-caked waterlogged shoes and saw the trailer door open, then quickly shut again. What was that about? Longhair was nervous about facing the music? Walk. That must be your favorite word, London mumbled. Probably not smart to sass a dangerous man with a gun, but really, the whole monosyllable thing was so cliché. At the trailer, Gun Guy whammed the door open and shoved London inside. She stumbled over the sill, but his grip on her hands kept her upright. The living room now smelled like popcorn and rotting conch shells. London gagged. The door banged shut. Gary. Gun Guy's voice cut off with a crack followed by a thud. His grip on her hands fell away and London whirled around. He lay on the floor, motionless. Terror swept through London. What now? London. Dad's arms closed around her, pulling her away from the collapsed man. Dad, you're untied? Where's Popcorn Guy? Long hair captor too? I assume you mean him. Dad pointed to a man lying across the narrow hallway, his head only half visible where it had crashed through the thin paneling. I rammed into him. He fell backwards and had a run-in with a wall stud. And how'd you get free of your ropes? A very handy knife was in his pocket, Dad said. But how? No time to explain. Do you still have that flare? Dad asked. Yeah? Then go back down to the dock and set it off. We need help. I don't exactly have confidence in my knot-tying skills. He collected the fallen man's gun, did something to it, and handed it to London. The safety is on. Take it with you. London stared at the streaks of wet blood on his hands. What happened? Well, bracing a knife between your feet and using it as a saw on rope is not a recommended activity, 
he said. Now get going. London took the dark, cold thing in her hand. She looked from the door back to her dad. The isolated danger of the landscape or the company of two angry tied-up men once they woke up. Can't you come with me? London asked. Dad shook his head. We managed to outsmart them once. It won't happen twice. I have to stay and make sure they don't get away. London stepped back towards the door. Pray for me, she whispered, and I'll pray for you. Deal. London ran and stumbled towards the beach, tumbling down the dunes to the shore and out onto the dock. She set the gun down and pulled the flare into view. She fumbled with it, held it high, and released a stream of orange smoke into the air. The ocean swashed against the pilings of the dock. A flock of birds settled down onto the nearby beach for a morning snack. The wide expanse of water stretched along the coast and out to the horizon, not a boat in sight. Then, a faint thrum. London swiveled, looking in every direction. If another bad guy showed up to grab her, she'd deck him with the gun. She'd never be able to shoot it, but she would not be tied up and hauled around one more time today. Out of the corner of her eye, a spot of darkness moved along the horizon. Squinting, London followed the progress of the thing as it grew larger. Another drone? No way. How much technology did these thugs have access to? Then the thwacking flutter clicked in her mind. A propeller, a helicopter, like something a search and rescue might use. Standing on her tiptoes, London held the flare up as high as she could. Please, God, please let this help. Let this be rescue. And please keep Dad safe. Oh, please keep us both safe. The helicopter veered towards her. London jumped up and down, waving her free arm like this would gain any more attention than the bright orange smoke. The helicopter turned and hovered over a clear spot on the beach. Sand whipped up like a Saharan storm. London dropped the flare and hunkered down onto the dock, using her hoodie and her knees to protect her face from the sting of the flying sand. At last the thunderous wind stilled. London slowly lifted her head and stood up. Please, let this be help. The first person who jumped out of the helicopter was Mr. Burgers. Others descended after him and dispersed in all directions, guns ready. London beelined it down the dock. Dad has them both tied up by now. Hurry! Mr. Burgers held up a hand. All right, explain the situation. There's a trailer up over the dunes. Inside are the two men who grabbed Dad and me. They were both unconscious when I left. Dad was keeping guard. Mr. Burgers nodded and relayed the information through a hidden mic. No sign of anyone else? No, there's an ATV on the other side of the trailer. One of the men moved the boat and came back in along a dirt track through the marsh. Mr. Burgers nodded and helped her board the helicopter. She pointed back to the end of the dock where the gun lay now next to the smoking flare. That might be evidence or something, though it has my fingerprints on it now. And dads. A lady started to ask London questions as Mr. Burgers left the craft again. London tried to answer even as sudden shivers shook her body. She strained to hear noise of gunfire or chase, but nothing happened. Then the thrum of another helicopter grew louder and a second craft landed on the beach. 
When Dad appeared in the doorway of the helicopter, London hurled herself at him. She wrapped her arms around his neck. Is it over? Are we okay? Dad hugged her tight. It's over. We're okay. As the helicopter took to the sky, she and Dad recounted their capture at dawn and all that had happened. It's only four o'clock in the afternoon, London marveled. Feels like it should be weeks since this morning. When the helicopter turned inland, the view of the ocean disappeared. Aren't we going back to the island? London asked. Mr. Berger shook his head. That location is now compromised. It will no longer operate as a safe house. So Ivy will just go back to being a normal lighthouse keeper? Mr. Berger smiled. I think she's going to retire from lighthouse keeping. London grinned. Oh, yeah. And what will she do now? Mr. Bergers grinned back at her. Oh, she might settle down with a retiring marshal somewhere. Wouldn't Mom be ecstatic when she heard that news? Mom. So we're just going to move on to another safe house? The thought settled sad and lonely at London's heart. You are being placed at another safe house, yes, Mr. Bergers said. But now don't get your hopes up. But the end may be near. The center's son overstepped. He had to bribe somebody to get your last location. The leak has already been apprehended. With information from our two newest prisoners, we'll be able to work back to their handler. The evidence is piling up and thickening. Hope. It was something. No, more than something. Hope rose with the mercy of each rotation of the earth. Could she ever doubt again that God would go with her everywhere, anywhere? A couple of hours later, London climbed out of the helicopter after Dad. Mom ran towards them from the direction of a farmhouse. London didn't even ask where they were as Mom wrapped her into a tight embrace. Thanks for listening to another episode of Academy Days. If you would like to contact me, send an email to academydayspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like, you can also support me financially by using the link in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening again and again. Bye!